Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time to talk some hoops. It's and throws it down with two hands. Let's talk about the team chasing a championship in 2020. Giannis for the steal. Giannis all the way. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Stevenson to LeBron. Slam dunk. With Bill Michaels and former Milwaukee Buck and Marquette sharpshooter Steve Novak. Shoots the three at the horn and he banked it in. Loaded up for another three. Got it. Welcome in, Bucks fans. Sadly, it is the final Milwaukee Basketball Hour here on The Fan and across the state of Wisconsin on many of these fine affiliates. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola filling in for Bill Michaels. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's still tough after last night. Um, there are some silver linings. Uh, Giannis did say some... Very positive things about his future last night, which was a bit of a surprise, and we will get into that. We're going to have a lot to get into on tonight's show, but of course, joining me here on the Network Health Hometown Advantage Hotline, Network Health Hometown Advantage, your hometown advantage health plan, is the one and only Steve Novak. Steve, what is going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I mean, fall is here. It feels like the end of uh, the Bucks season and the end of summer were pretty abrupt. But uh, but here we are, and I think you're right. I think Bucks fans are definitely disappointed, and understandably so. But I think you're right. I think that there is, there are still positives. Perhaps some people are not trying to hear any of that right now, and I understand that as well. But I think there are. I think there are some positives to take away from from this season and and the future for the Bucks. And so you know maybe time is the best thing, but there's no doubt right now it uh, doesn't feel very good losing in the in the second round of the Heat. Well, let me tell you something about me, Steve, because um, we've met once, but we've never done a show together. I am a diehard Bucks fan, and whenever I do shows, I try to speak as a fan, not you know strictly as a media guy. That I got to be everything has to be by the book. So, some of the things I might ask you tonight might be coming off from the fan in me, but you know, looking at, looking at last night, it was I, to me. The Bucks had every chance to win that game. I felt defensively what the Bucks put out there was more than good enough to put them in a position to win. But if you look at that, if you look at that one third quarter where the Bucks went like what, 0 for 12, 0 for 13, they couldn't hit a shot to save their life. I mean, that was the game right there. Um, what? Let's just start with the game itself. Would you say that is just that is just what killed them? Was that particular quarter, or do you did you see more than that? That's that was definitely part of it. You know, I think obviously this was uh, that game last night. It was do or die. It's like you you've got to win. You've got to perform. You're supposed to be the best team in the league, and you're down three to one. And now here we go. Don't lose, or season's over. So uh, look, their backs were against the wall, and and 
there's a lot of things in that in, in just last night's game that you can break down and say this is why they lost that game. Or we can look at it as an entire series. And the truth is, the Bucks they did not outplay the Miami Heat in that, in, in that series. Now, if COVID doesn't happen, if there's not a hiatus, are we talking about something different? My guess is yes. Either way, it was going to be a tough matchup. But there is no doubt that, yes, going 0 for 12 in the third quarter is tough. You don't have the MVP. You don't have Giannis out there on the court as if that's not hard enough. You're down 3-0. You win a game. Now you got to win three more straight as if that's not tough enough. But really, you know, the Bucks came out in the first quarter, I thought, and looked amazing. They set the tone. Miami's turning the ball over. They're up by 10 or 12 after the first quarter. But then, you know, at half, it's like they give it right back, and it's and it's even. And then in the third quarter, they go cold. So I thought the combination, to be honest, of the biggest momentum swing was allowing Miami, after turning the ball over, I think, six times in just a span of a few minutes, and the Bucks really being able to put a nice spurt on and getting that lead, they allowed them right back in in the second quarter and then going cold. I think it's hard to catch up when you don't have your go-to ice-cold score in Giannis Tenacumpo out there. So there's no doubt that it was. you could see it was kind of building towards the fourth quarter that it was going to be a challenge to to win that game. Well, I'll say this. I was really encouraged last night by some of the other role players stepping up. I mean, Wesley Matthews, we all know how well he how well he plays defensively. I mean, that's his biggest strength as a player, and we also know that um, you know, shooting threes, that's what he does, but he was attacking yeah. the basket last night and he was finishing very well. And Dante DiVincenzo, too, like that was by far, Steve. I think that was his best game of the postseason. And that is something really positive to see when we talk about Dante being a big contributor for this team. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Wesley, we, you know, we talk about him on the pregame show and in the in game, we hit on him a little bit. And in, in the Orlando series, we kind of said, you know, we did a few features where we kind of highlight him and we watch him chasing around Evan Fournier and shutting him down, you know, but look, that's expected in the first round, but especially against Orlando, but, but you're right all season long. And then in the second round against Miami Wesley, he was, in my opinion, by far and away the best defender on the court. He was the guy who could shut down Jimmy Butler, um, during certain stretches of minutes um, he's not always having big scoring games. I don't think that's really should be expected of him, but he does come out of nowhere sometimes and he'll knock down four or five straight threes. And you're like, now hold on. This is, this is the guy, this is the spark we need. Um, but I agree. I think the, the defense West showed and the, the ability that he showed that, look, the Bucks do have a chance. Maybe they can beat the heat with this, without Giannis, with the smaller lineup. If Wesley can really do his job and, lock into Jimmy and, you know, he did a good job on Jimmy, but the problem with Jimmy Butler is he really doesn't force it. He doesn't need to score too much. He makes the right play. And so West did a great job, I thought, defensively. And, you know, you mentioned Dante as well. Dante did, he, in the first two games, he had one point. And then the next two games of the series, he combined for 10 and 10. He had 20 points in the next two. And then, you know, like you said, last night had his best game. It was a, a little too late, unfortunately. I think we the Bucks cannot get down 0-3. We, we kind of know what history says about that. It's just, it's not happening. So no. um, it was good to see guys get it going, but there's no doubt, you know, earlier in that series is when it was certainly needed. All right. So can you help me out a little bit with Eric Bledsoe? Because if, if there was anyone that was frustrating me last night and I was just screaming on Twitter about it, it was Eric Bledsoe. I mean, it's just, that was a moment for him to really just be himself and I thought he was trying to be himself at points like attacking the basket is what he needs to do. And he attacks the basket and he misses some easy baskets. 
And then we all know that Eric Bledsoe is a good defender. At times, he was getting beat. And then there were other times, too, where you want him to hit a three-point shot, and he just doesn't have the confidence to do it. A lot of Bucks fans are just really frustrated with Eric Bledsoe because it's been three straight years now, Steve. Like, at some point, we're, we've been we've been wanting to see, like, will the real playoff Bledsoe show up? And he still hasn't been able to do that. And that has been, at least certainly for me, I have been very frustrated with Eric Bledsoe's play. No, and it's understandable. And I, and I think, you know, when after the... I think it was the Boston series uh, two seasons ago when he didn't play great. Yeah, you know he he owned it and he said, "Look, I, look, I'm not not playing my best basketball. I've got to be better." And then you're right. Last year, you know he was in spurts. He played well, and you know the fans kind of got on him. And I think this year it did. It felt like, look, this is the year. The Bucks won the first two games of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Look, not everybody's played great. You know, Bledsoe, we really need him to step up. We can see that he's kind of the cog that might really make this team go to the next level with Giannis scoring on the interior. Bledsoe is a is a shot creator. It gets in the paint. He breaks down the defense. He can really take some of that that's that attention away from Giannis. And I agree. So I so the frustration is is understandable. He did not have a great series. I think like you're saying, for him to go, you know, two for twelve last night. Yeah, nine points. It's a do or die game. You've got to have guys step up. And you saw, I think, the difference with the Miami Heat team. When you have a Tyler Hero stepping up and being better than you would even really expect, that's what gets a team to win in the playoffs. I think your weaknesses are exposed in the playoffs. All of a sudden you realize, wow, if they can stop that one thing, we're a different team. Wow, if they really lock in defensively and they know this is what we want to do, we're not the same team. And so... You've got to have some big offensive performances that are unexpected a lot of times because defenses are locked in. They know what you're going to do. They're going to take certain things away because NBA teams are good enough to do that. And so having a Jay Crowder just be on fire the whole series or a Van Vliet last year when when we played Toronto, just on fire. It's like that we weren't really game planning for that to be the, the X factor, but Drajic was really good. And, you know, we did not get those lifts from perhaps Dante early in the series or Eric Bledsoe having, you know, 20, 25, 30 point game. So I do think there needs to be those, those guys that step up in big performances. And a lot of times the ones you go, I never, I just didn't think that was going to happen because that's what, that's what wins you playoff games. Well, let's talk about for a second, because you mentioned both Tyler Hero and Jay Crowder. I mean, both of them just were unbelievable this series, and you, you, you have to you have to give these guys credit. I mean, especially for a rookie and Tyler Hero, for some of the shots he or he was hitting throughout the game and even in late-game situations, um, it's just incredible. Like, there is so much potential in that kid, and the fact that he is from Wisconsin and has those ties, I mean, it kind of, it's sort of a gut punch when you think about it. It's like one of your own is beating you. But then you got Jay Crowder, too. Like, no one has seen Jay Crowder shoot this well from three, maybe in his career. I mean, he's always been a solid role player. Not to mention he's an alma mater of Marquette, for crying out loud. But, like, between Tyler Hero and Jay Crowder, Steve, like, which guy impressed you more in this series? You know, I think... I know who Jay is, and he's been a consistent big-time player in the league for a while, so you just kind of feel like he can be that X-factor guy in a series like this. So did he play out of his mind? He absolutely did. I mean, I think he shot just about near 50% for the series. And that's at, vo- I mean, that's at volume, right? It's not like it's, he's making two for four. He's shooting 10 three-pointers a game, yeah. and he's making half of them. So 
you know, he he was he was big time. He absolutely hurt the Bucks because those shots when it's just in rhythm in offense and it's the guy you're really not putting your focus on, it's tough. But I would 100% say Tyler Hero was the guy who surprised me the most. I think this is I mean this is the NBA playoffs against uh, the Bucks might not be the number one defensive team in the league as of the playoffs, but they're certainly still a very good defensive team. And Tyler Hero, it seemed like he kind of could get what he wanted on most possessions because he's a player. He's not just a shooter. He's not just a defender, just a handler. It was like he was out there in the game yesterday. He had the highest plus minus in the whole game, pretty much far and away. He was a plus 23, which to me just screams when he's on the court, he's doing the right things. He's in the right spots defensively. He's helping the team defense. Offensively, he's making the right play. He's either making shots or he's making shots. And when he's guarded, he's making sure other guys are scoring because you don't get a plus 23 in a game that was – uh, a nine-point victory unless while you're on the court, good things are happening. And I, that's the sense I get about about that kid is he just is a, a, a heady playmaker, lets the defense come to him, and he's capable of of doing that. Some guys let the, the they kind of let the, the defense dictate and it takes something away from them. I think with, with him knocking down threes, he's hitting floaters. You know, he's making nice passes. I, I was really impressed with, with Tyler Hero. He's going to have a, a bright future in the NBA for a lot of years. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour here across the state, and you can follow us on Twitter at MKE B-Ball Hour. You can follow Steve Novak at Steve Novak 16 on Twitter. I'm at Radio Joe Sports. Um, before we get into Mike Budenholzer, I want to talk about just coaching in general, especially in the Eastern Conference, because, you know, Steve, we've been watching this. We've, wa- we've watched the NBA evolve over the last couple of decades and you know most recently we've seen super teams it's all about super teams if you don't have a super team your chances are you're not going to win an NBA championship because it takes so much and that started obviously with the Miami Heat and LeBron James and of course that's transferred over into Golden State but now we've kind of gone back into duos if you look at the Eastern Conference though there's only one clear-cut superstar that was remaining of the four teams and that was Giannis everyone else a lot of talented players but there's a lot of really good coaches. And I just wonder if maybe this is the year where we're not really looking at looking at star firepower that's going to win per se. Maybe it's just about coaching and how these guys are able to make adjustments game by game. Because really, I mean, think about it. Eric Spolstra is an incredible coach. Nick Nurse is doing a hell of a job, especially in his second year in Toronto without Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's and even Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens has had that coaching record now for the last several years. I just feel like maybe this is the year, as weird of a season it is, that maybe the best team that comes out of it is because of the best coach and who does the most with what they have. Would you agree with that? You know, I think that the East, you're absolutely right, has all-star coaches. I mean, the names you just listed, right, were top of the list for Coach of the Year, all all the Coach of the Year awards, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, Coach Bud. Um, so there is no doubt. I, I think that, look, in the NBA, players players make things go. I mean, you can be as great a coach as you want. If you don't have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, if you don't have guys like that and role players like, I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to call him a role player, but like Gordon Hayward, you got Kemba Walker out there. Look, Brad Stevens is a great coach. Nick Nurse is a great coach. But the players are certainly making these teams go. And so I think to your point, in the playoffs, I do think is when coaching really, really does 
it, it shows up the adjustments, the little things, but it's also based on the talent that you have. And so I think some teams have more of an ability to truly make adjustments. Some teams are more stuck with, they need to be who they are. They're more systems. And so I do think it goes hand in hand. It's the, the, the players and the, and the, 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 the roster's ability to truly make adjustments as well as a coach's ability to have guys ready when it comes playoff time to really implement those. So there's no doubt that we're watching, you know, the, the remaining coaches are the tops of the tops. And I do think you're right. This year it does appear that there's, you know, Giannis was the star of stars in the East and, and he's out and the rest, you know, it looks like may the best team win. And they are, they're, they're certainly their teams. Well, on the other side of the break, let's discuss Mike Budenholzer and all the adjustments or lack of adjustments that he didn't or did make in this series. We'll talk about that on the other side, and we'll also talk about Giannis's future with the Bucks because there were a couple of things he said last night that I was not expecting him to say right after a Game 5 elimination game. So we'll get into all that as well. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour here across the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. He's Steve Novak. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. We'll have more right after this. Um, I'm proud of the guys. Uh, they they left it out there, and uh, I'll just say I'm very proud of them. And um, give give credit to Miami. Give credit to Eric Spolstra, the players. Um, you know they did a, a, a fabulous job. Um, you know a lot of respect for Miami and their program, their players, their coaches. Um, so credit to those guys for what they did in this series and what they did tonight. That is the head coach of your Milwaukee Bucks, Mike Budenholzer. Welcome back. Milwaukee Basketball Hour continues. Thanks for tuning in, Wisconsin, wherever you may be. Want to thank our fine sponsors who have uh, gotten us through all of this here. Network Health, Kessler's Diamonds, Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and, of course, our friends at Lammy Sports Management. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola, alongside Steve Novak, longtime NBA player, and, of course, Marquette Golden Eagle. You can follow us on Twitter. He's at Steve Novak 16. I'm at Radio Joe Sports. And you can follow the Milwaukee Basketball Hour at MKE B Ball Hour. So let's talk about Coach Budenholzer there. He was talking last night about what he told the team right afterwards. But this was a team that should have been, again, this is the fan of me talking now, Steve. This is a team that should have been in the NBA Finals this season. When you think about everything that's gone on here in the last 15 months, and considering what Toronto did to the Bucks last year, I would have felt that Mike Budenholzer would have done some things differently this time around in the postseason. And personally, in this series against Miami, Steve, I just didn't think Mike Budenholzer made enough adjustments or the adjustments might have come a game too late. It was just something that was really bothering a lot of fans the first couple of games in this series. And I understand that there's a... There's a system. There's a code you want to follow. And you don't want to change things that aren't broken. But the problem was the system that Bud was running in the, in these games, it was a little bit broken. And I, don't, I just don't think there was enough adjustments. How do you see it? You know, I have no no problem going on record and saying that I, I, I'm very solidly in Coach Bud's corner. And I, and I would just say this um, as far as kind of your points about you know, making adjustments or not. Um, I just think 
it's very understandable for fans to say, look, we lost earlier than we were supposed to. We expected to be in, you know, finals or the champs this year. Look, like you're saying, you're a fan. I am 100% a Milwaukee Bucks fan as well. We're all feeling that way. Coach Bud included as well as all the way down the line with those guys. I don't think that there's any need to explain the the feeling of disappointment. It's it's universal right now. But I just think fans need to be a little cautious when – you sell your house before you have somewhere else to move. And so I guess I say that to say, fine, you're not happy with Coach Bud. You would have liked to see, you know, something different. I would just ask, you know, who who do the Milwaukee, who do you have in mind to come coach Giannis, come coach the Milwaukee Bucks um, that could do a better job, I think, than Coach Bud. He basically over the last two seasons has had the most winning record over the last two years. You're talking about a two-time coach of the year. He coached with Coach Pop as his right-hand man for 17 years, won four championships. A guy who, he's been in the huddle and knows how to win in the tightest of situations in you know, the playoffs. And coaching Atlanta on his own as a head coach for five seasons, had his entire starting five was all-stars in Atlanta. So I just, I, I hesitate to listen too closely to um, a lot of the criticism that I hear him get. I think that you did touch on the fact that Coach Bud, he very much does have, he is a system coach. He coaches a system that is is proven, can win the record the last couple of years. What he did in Atlanta, obviously, is 17 years in San Antonio with four championships, proves that. I think that it's, I think it's often very hard when you are the best in San Antonio, when you are close to the best with your record in Atlanta, and when you have the best record in Milwaukee, and then all of a sudden in the playoffs, there's people saying, you know, you gotta, you just gotta adjust. You've been the best all season long doing something a certain way. And I'm not saying that to say that there's not adjustments that Coach Bud and his staff made. They clearly did in, in some of these games. But I think to to see dramatic change all of a sudden in the playoffs happen um, when you're talking about a team that has had the best record over the last two seasons, I think there there's a there's a there's a debate to be had. I think with that because there's been dominance. I mean, they're talking about the number one defensive team in the league regular season, number one offensive team all season long. You've got the MVP. You've got three defensive players of the year. So I don't know if that argument, I guess, is in my corner or maybe somebody playing devil's advocate. You've got all that and you can't win. Well, you've got all that, and it's hard to say, now let's do something really different all of a sudden because we're being stopped. We've been able to succeed all year long doing what we do. So I just... I, I think his his track record is is proven. He he knows what he's doing. He's been in these these huddles uh, as an assistant and as a head coach for years and years and years. And so I just it's hard for me to fathom somebody more suited to coach this group than Coach Bud. And so you know I I, I understand everybody wants to see the Bucks go further than they did. I just um, I think as you talk it through and you think it through, you quickly realize. Hey, look, we watch live sports because you never, you never know what's going to happen. And this year, yeah, it was unexpected, and that's that's why we watch. Well, let's go ahead and look at Giannis because last night, Steve, I was not expecting Giannis to start talking about his future. I mean, a lot of times when it comes to you know things that are happening right after an elimination game. Guys are not focused on what's ahead. They're focused on the loss. They are taking that. That's what the, that's what they're, they're that's what they're trying to digest as to why we lost and how we can move on from that. But they're not thinking months out. They're not thinking years out. 
I just thought it was really interesting for Giannis to make a couple of points. The first point was he wants to build a culture in Milwaukee. That was music to my ears. The second part of it was in a piece with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, he was asked, you know, would you consider asking for a trade? And Giannis said, quote, it's not happening. That is not happening. Some see a wall and go in another direction. I plow through it. We just have to get better as a team individually and get right back at it next season. And the one misconception also from some fans is they think that Giannis is pretty much done, that he's just he, he's going to move on, but he's going to be in a Bucks uniform next year. He doesn't want to be traded, and he still has to make a decision on a Supermax, and that's something that he could wait on for a couple of years based on the salary cap. I just think at the end of the day, Steve, it is really good to hear Giannis say, look, I'm a Milwaukee Buck, and that's how it's going to be, and I'm going to reassess and move forward, and that's just what it is. No, you're right. I think him, him I wouldn't say uh, appearing to go out of his way to say those things, but certainly it, it's not required of him, right, to, to kind of make statements that make it appear one way or the other. And, and in my opinion, he is. He's saying, I'm different. You know, like like your quote that you just gave about him, some people see a wall and they go around it. He goes through it. I think the thing that favors him staying with the Milwaukee Bucks is Giannis is different in a in a really, really good way. Yep. He, he is not chasing a super team. He has no interest in working out with LeBron in the summer. He has no interest in winning a championship because of his others that he joined. He wants to win a championship. He wants to have a legacy that it, that he built. The last guy at Giannis's level is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the city of Milwaukee. LeBron is in a town where there was Kobe, there was Magic, there was, there was, there was. Right? I don't think Giannis has any interest in that. I really do think that he would rather not win a championship and have fought the fight that he kind of just he describes time to time about going through the wall, about finding a way, about being a leader, about bringing people to him, about overcoming. I think that there is something special to that that's so respected by sports fans. You know, when LeBron did the decision and the the pushback was real, it was like you felt sports fans all over the world going, I just don't like this. It did, I don't like the super team. I don't like the what feels like a fake championship coming. It's not fair to call it a fake championship because the truth is at the end of – your, any players free agency, you have the right to leave and you can make that decision for yourself, but that's your legacy, right? So people will talk about LeBron, how they want to talk about LeBron. Giannis is going to make a decision that will be a piece of his legacy. And I, being his teammate for two seasons, being in the locker room with him, okay. watching so many of his games, it feels to me like he is wired different than a lot of the guys that have joined super teams. And so he has a, he can make the decision on the day before that maybe he's leaving but it just in my gut feels like the statements he's made and the the guy that he is it it just feels like he he does want to build something here well i want to take it from the source because you're absolutely right all the evidence that you just listed and what you just said playing with the guy yeah i mean i just if I'm looking at long term, if I'm really thinking about it, Steve, I think Giannis is a buck for a long, long time. I think at the end of the day, that it's just that is who he is. You're you're absolutely right. He is different. So with that in mind, 
There's two more things I want to touch on real quick before I let you go. And the first one is Chris Middleton. We really have not talked about Chris Middleton. I think overall in this postseason, I think Chris Middleton played pretty well. I think it would have helped for him to hit some shots down the stretch last night to keep him in that game. But I think overall, Chris Middleton had a pretty good postseason and overall had a hell of a regular season, especially after getting that big contract. He did. I mean, if you look at really his numbers via obviously was three makes away from being a 90% from free throw, 50% from the field, 40% from three. So let's just say, let's just say he's a, a, a 90, 50, 40. I mean, that puts him in a class of player that is, it, it's truly special. You're talking about the Steve Nash's, the Larry Bird's, the, the Kevin Durant's. And so he, he had that kind of season playing lower minutes than he had in several seasons in his career but he scored more points, had more rebounds, more assists, and shot a higher field goal percentage than in his entire career. So I, I do. I think that th- this this was a career year for him. I think his contract that he signed is enormous, and it sh- it puts a shadow on him. That's 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 really just not fair. Um, I think that he he basically, in my opinion, in terms of basketball dollars, he's earned his money. I mean, I think you saw him win a do or die game in the playoffs without Giannis, yep. which is what a guy like Chris Middleton, the number two, the second highest paid, he's the highest paid now, but hopefully the second highest paid once Giannis signs an extension. That's what that's what that guy's job is, is to win a big playoff game, be able to be the go-to when the star goes down and keep your team alive. Was it enough to be Miami? Not in the series, but when the Bucks had Giannis for three games, they were 0-3. So that's that's not to say, say the Bucks are not... Um, better without Giannis. It's just to say that it's understandable that Miami still won that series. Middleton, he, he really did. He put the team on his back and I think showed, and he has really year after year in the playoffs, that he, he makes big shots. He is a great wingman. He can be a go-to. And so, look, he's, he's a big-time piece, and I think his demeanor sometimes makes it that he doesn't get the respect he deserves. He's certainly underrated. But if you really look at the stats this year, how many minutes and the, and the production that he had, um, I, you know, I really do. I think he had a he had a special year right along with Giannis. All right, last one for you, Steve. Do you expect this to be a different roster next year? Do you think John Horst will make more than just a couple of changes to this roster? You know, it's a it's a question I've been tossing around in my head because it, it, I feel like there's really two approaches. One is. Two years ago, we lost to the Toronto Raptors. We won the first two games in the Eastern Conference Finals and then lost four straight. It just didn't feel good. Something was wrong. We, but we stuck with the team and said, hey, let's see what we can do. The Bucks got better. Giannis got better. And then there's this year's finish, which, which brings me, I guess, to my point that this has been the craziest year ever. There was a longer off season in the middle of this year than there is when during a regular off season. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, so COVID hit, things are crazy. You're playing in the bubble. You know, it's been talked about over and over how strange the whole deal is, right? And so I guess it comes down in my mind to the weight that you put on what happened this year. Is it is it almost like an asterisk, a blank? You go back to last year and you go, look, we were sticking with this team last year. This year was really crazy. We're going to just ignore it. We can't really plan our future based on what happened just now. This was really unique and crazy. So we're going to stay with the group. I, I, I understand that argument. And I also understand the argument that, look, 
it's been two years in a row. The Bucks were looking to win the championship this year or make it to the finals, and they didn't, and we need to make a change. I, I don't see how you can really disagree with either stance. And so I, I don't, I, I guess you're wanting my opinion. I don't even, I don't have one formed yet. I guess I just feel like both of those reasonings are, are so logical that I wouldn't be surprised if we were the same. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, a big move that was made. I think you could, you could make quite an argument for both those scenarios. Well, we shall see. I know I'll talk about it on the other side of the break. But, Steve, thank you so much for another great year of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Always appreciate it, and we will talk down the road. We'll see what John Horst has up his sleeve this offseason. Sounds great. We'll all be watching. Thanks so much. There he is, Steve Novak, Fox Sports Wisconsin analyst and, of course, the former Buck, longtime NBA player, and Marquette Golden Eagle. Joining us on the Network Health Hometown Advantage Hotline, Network Health, your hometown advantage health plan. On the other side of the break, we will go inside the locker room. We'll hear from some of the Bucks after last night's loss and look ahead and talk about what will John Horst do. To me... I think there's going to be some changes, and it's going to be more than just one. Could there be a big change as well? I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. It is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We'll have more right after this. Welcome back to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Radio Joe in for Bill Michaels. Unfortunately, it is our final Milwaukee Basketball Hour. We had these Scheduled out for a while because we were assuming the Bucks were going to be around for a while, but that's okay. I just don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for that. I, I tweeted this out last night. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Radio Joe Sports. I tweeted out last night that it's just, you know, I had to wait 15 months to get back to this point where the Bucks were last night. They get eliminated, and now you got to wait a whole nother year just for them to get back to this very point. Because obviously the NBA schedule is going to change. The calendar is going to change. And the NBA, they came out the other day and said that they're going to push back the draft. So we really don't know when exactly this NBA season is going to restart. And we also don't know if this NBA season is going to be in a bubble again. And that could lead to a lot more discussion for the players as to whether or not they want to go through with another bubble. Um you know, maybe we'll learn more about the Milwaukee Bucks after the fact that, you know, maybe the bubble was getting to them. Maybe the bubble was getting to a lot of these players. I mean, it was really good to see uh, that a lot of the family members for all these players on the Bucks were able to come into the bubble. I mean, we got to see Giannis and his girlfriend and his new um, his new baby son. But, um, yeah, I it's... These are some weird times, and I just I don't know how this will all play out and when things will officially start. But just the fact that I got to sit here and wait now for another year, it it does hurt as a fan. It really does. It hurts for me. I know it hurts for you, but I got to think that there's going to be some changes made. I I just I really do. And and Steve Novak was just going back and forth with that about whether or not that we could see major changes to this roster by John Horst. There's one thing that I believe will not happen. The one thing I feel is that Mike Budenholzer will be the coach of this team. And yeah, I'm sure some of you just eye-rolled, but it's I don't think John Horst is going to go that far and make that kind of change. And then if you do make a change like that, if you go that drastic, who is going to be your replacement? I mean, yes, Billy Donovan 
is available from OKC. He's leaving. Um, and, and that would be one guy that I would look at right away when it comes to the experience. But then, in order to keep continuity and to keep Giannis happy, I mean, I'm not sure Giannis is going to be too happy if Coach Bud goes walking out that door. I mean, we've already seen how Giannis reacted when Jason Kidd left. Then he had to buy in into a whole new system and a coach in Mike Budenholzer, and thankfully it's worked out pretty well when it comes to the chemistry between those two. But is Giannis going to be happy if another coach goes packing and, and coach Bud? I just I don't think that's going to happen. And if you want to keep him happy, if you want to still try to keep him happy, do you promote Darvin Ham? That's the thing. It, it is just so hard right now to make a decision like that. But I do agree with a lot of you who make that argument that Mike Budenholzer has a clear reputation of not succeeding in the postseason, and he's had four really good teams, and I would say this year a great team, to to go all the way to the end, and he hasn't been able to do it. That is a concern. So, again, if you're John Horst, you're going to have to have a long talk with Mike Budenholzer. You're just going to have to. Um, and you're going to have to assess and evaluate and try to make some legitimate changes to maybe some of the things that were not working out for you in the playoffs. I mean, you're just going to have to do it. Plain and simple, you just are going to have to do it. And I saw something earlier this afternoon, Magic Johnson, who loves to tweet. uh, Magic Johnson said on Twitter that Giannis should sit down with Wes Edens, the co-owner, and those guys should discuss what the future should hold for this franchise. And I, I mean, I mean, look, Magic Johnson did a lot of things behind his coach's back when he played for the Lakers. That's all documented. I mean, that Magic, that Magic loved to pull of that. Um, I mean, Doctor Bus, his relationship with Doctor Bus, they were so so tight, and. When Magic Johnson had a problem with something with the coach or Magic Johnson had a problem with his teammates, didn't matter. He would go right to Dr. Jerry Buss and he would tell him. And Buss made decisions based off of what Magic said. I don't think that's how Giannis should be going about it. And I don't think Giannis would ever do that. That's just not who Giannis is. Giannis is a different breed, like Steve Novak said. Make no bones about it. He is totally, totally different in his DNA. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. Let's get to the Kessler's Diamond in the Rough stat of the week. And Chris Middleton last night, yeah, the shooting percentage was down. He still was still was able to get 23 points on seven rebounds, six dimes, and a steal. I would also look at just the postseason for him. Um, he ended up averaging 20.3 points per game in the postseason and also averaged 6.9 rebounds and 6 assists. That is not bad if you're Chris Middleton. Now, again, the shooting percentages are a little lower than what you wanted, especially after the regular season that Middleton had. But still, Chris Middleton, I thought, played really well in the postseason. But there were some other guys on this team that did not produce maybe up to the way that they should have. And we'll talk about more of that coming up on the other side. But that, not bad for Chris Middleton. And that was your Kessler's Diamond in the Rough stat of the week. Visit Kessler'sDiamonds.com to find a location nearest you. We'll wrap things up here on the Milwaukee Basketball Hour coming up right after this.
because obviously our, our mission was to come down here and, and be the last team standing. We fell short of that. So now it's uh, time to reflect, get better on the court and, and off the court, continue to be uh, leaders and, and champions in our communities to, to help raise awareness of, of everything that's going on in, in society right now and try to help, you know, just educate ourselves, educate everybody else and, and just try to make this world a better place. That's Wesley Matthews, who had a very solid year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Welcome back, Milwaukee Basketball Hour, our final Milwaukee Basketball Hour for the season. I'm Radio Joe, filling in for the big unit, Bill Michaels. Just sucks we have to come to an end like this. Wesley Matthews also talked about his first year in Milwaukee. You know, this this, this team has a lot of special people. This organization has a lot of special people. And um, you learn from everybody. You know, this team embraced me, and it it, it was a lot of fun. Um, It was a hell of a ride. And um, I hate to see it end like this, but, well, that's life. And... uh, uh, reflect, get better, and, and get after it again. You can only hope. One guy that did step up last night, played a hell of a game on both ends of the floor, was Dante DiVincenzo, and he talked about his performance. I just had a talk with Chris, and Chris was like, we need you to be aggressive. We need you to be your same self. Um, it's, I mean, it's nothing different than what I've done all season. He told me, just be aggressive, and we'll live with it. And uh, I just took that and ran with it, and the guys were proud of me, and I mean, obviously, we need a little bit more, but I think I made good strides. Well, it leads to the bigger question again. What will John Horst do? And we talked about in the last segment that I don't expect him to fire Mike Budenholzer as much as some people want that to happen. I don't see that happening. I would be shocked. Um, I do believe, though, that there needs to be an upgraded point guard. I'm done with Eric Bledsoe. Again, this is the fan of me talking. I just don't think Eric Bledsoe can do any more than what he has shown. He's had three seasons in the postseason to really take his game to the next level. I think at times, and last night, look, he did drop nine dimes, and that's great, and he has been able to facilitate at points, but he doesn't push that basketball enough, especially in this kind of offense where it's all about getting shooters open and taking good shots. Not to mention last night, you needed his offense in the worst way possible, and you didn't get it. And even when it came to him attacking the basket and not being able to finish, you can't afford to have all these misses. You just can't. I just think if if John Horse is going to go anywhere this offseason, he's got to find a way to improve the point guard position. And there's been a lot of talk that maybe Chris Paul would be a guy that the Bucks could trade for. There's already been a lot of rumors and connections. Chris Paul to Milwaukee, Chris Paul to Milwaukee. Last year, no one wanted Chris Paul to come to Milwaukee because everyone felt that he was washed up. Well, he's had a hell of a year with OKC this year. So now, do you want to try and bring Chris Paul in, hoping that you get that same kind of performance and play from him? That would certainly go a long way. That is certainly the point guard you want, but the man is making nearly $40 million a year, and I just don't know how John Horace would be able to make a trade to make that work, to offset that. I mean, there's just a lot of things to think about. I think the bench is going to have to be reconstructed. I mean, obviously Marvin Williams is retiring, um, and you know, congratulations to Marvin Williams. I know he didn't end up being the player that a lot of people hoped he would be when he was drafted, but he had a pretty long career in the league, and I thought he was probably one of the harder-working guys in this series for the Bucs. I mean, he was probably one of the more productive guys offensively and defensively. 
So you got Marvin Williams, you know, stretch four that's going to have to be replaced. There's no guarantee that Kyle Korver is coming back. He's contemplating retirement. So you got that to think about as well. You know, do you do you bring back Pat Connaughton? Pat didn't really give you a whole lot in the postseason. I mean, overall, he has been a solid player off the bench, but didn't show it this time around. You're going to need some shooters. Do you keep Ursan Ilyasova around? There's just a lot to think about, and I think John Horst might surprise us this offseason. Hello. I just, right now, I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun fall, and I'm sure the Bucks will be making news in one way or another. So we shall see how this all goes. But again, thanks to all of our sponsors here on the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, Network Health, Kessler's Diamonds, the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and of course, our friends at Lammy Sports Management. You've been listening to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. Don't worry, Bucks fans. Better days are ahead. We'll talk to you hopefully soon. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.